Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Razorback fans, this is Jacob Davis, host of the Hog Talk Podcast. Tonight, we will recap the loss to Texas A&M. Rohan Gaines joins us for an interview on the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Hotline. This is the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 26. Razorback Nation, this is Jacob Davis, your host of the Hog Talk Podcast. With me today, as usual, is our co-host Ty Hudson and our producer slash other co-host for today, Porter Hayes. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing well. Doing well. I'm, uh, you know, licking my wounds from not only the, the Razorback loss, but then the Rams loss today. And I guess the only, the good part of my sports weekend has been the Cardinals clinching the, uh, clinching their division in the NL. That's awesome. My fantasy football team, however, didn't show up, and I got absolutely destroyed this weekend. But overall, not a bad weekend. Not too bad. Can't complain. What about you, yeah. Porter? You had a... Uh, yeah, had a little scare. had a little scare yesterday. Uh, the blood pressure got a little high, but uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for Mac Brown going for two. Appreciate that gift, and we, we, we roll on. Uh, we dropped a number two in the poll, so... Uh, but other than that, man, I was I was proud of the the fight, the the bounce back that Arkansas had. So, uh, yeah, of course you want them to come away with the win, but I, they they had effort and they fought through the whole game. So, I gotta ask, I gotta ask for those of you who don't know who are listening to this, uh, our producer, I call him Porter, but he, he's his name is Peck. Um, or I'm sorry, other way around, I call him Peck. He goes by Porter, Porter Hayes. Um, you being a you being a, a a Clemson guy and watching that close game, the uh, are your are is your you know because you go back and you look at how how they played against Texas A and M and I think that's starting to unfold a little bit. Like maybe do you think Clemson maybe they're not quite the team they were a year ago? What what you know? It's a Razorback podcast. We're not going to go too far into this, but I just want your take on that. Uh well, and and you got to think you know this point last year. Clemson was 5-0 and going into the Syracuse game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence gets knocked out, and uh, Chase Bryce had to come in and, and win that game. So, I mean, yeah. week five, I mean, it seems like they always have a slow start. And I was, of course, people come at me every time Clemson has a close game with them, and I get so much crap. So, I have to do my digging and research, and statistics have shown, you know, for the past five years, I mean, they're, they're statistically – the same so no because they always play better at coming at the end of the year i mean here's the deal i mean they they won last year by one against syracuse and then they you know go in the college football playoff and win win the two games combined 74 to 19 over notre dame and alabama so mm -hmm. I, i'm not too concerned but i'm i know that lawrence is not and etn has not kind of filled up to their hype this year so once they start clicking you're not i mean their defense is stellar you know, replacing yeah. six guys on their front line and, and to replace them and just plug and play and go. But, but yeah, I, I guess a little bit, I, I'm very superstitious how I watch games. So, um, 
I was really nervous when they went for two, but then again, I mean, I was confident that the defense would, would stop them. Mac Brown, man, I, I tell you, you just sometimes all that wisdom that guy has, you know, I guess it's just, uh, it's interesting how he's getting things going at North Carolina. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of mentioning to Jacob about, you know, you know, we we're talking to our, to Rohan was you, you bring in a good coach who's been there. I mean, he can get the most out of those players and it's, it's completely shown that freshman quarterback, how he's, he's going to be a real deal, but I like it because, it gives you that conference test that Clemson really don't really get all the time. So it was really good for them to really push them to the limits. So hopefully, you know, they get a bye week just like Arkansas has. So we'll see how they respond. Speaking of response here, Arkansas is going to have to respond to yet another loss to Texas A&M. Man, the heartaches keep coming. It, and I, I can remember the Eagles song, Heartache Tonight. Heartache Tonight, I know. And I can – that's all I can think about <laughs> uh, as Arkansas was leading throughout the game is there's going to be a heartache tonight, a heartache tonight, I know. And, oh, man. We've got Jacob singing we, on the podcast. Oh. Yeah, that's something you wouldn't think you'd see or hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's a first. You know, You're a, yeah, yeah. That's a first. Uh, but, yeah, you, you just knew a heartache was coming. I, I just knew it. And, and it happened, and here we are, another loss, another podcast, and and is are the Arkansas Razorbacks going to win an SEC game uh, this season? That's the question. And you look back at the past several seasons, and I mentioned it on social media uh, earlier this morning. Is Arkansas? I mean, the past eight losses, whether they've been close or not, I mean, six of them have, and here you are. You're thinking, okay, we have hope this team's fought, but how many times has really a close loss to A&M meant anything? Mm. Very rarely. I, I don't know, honestly, when you look back, if you can, if you could pinpoint a moment where you look back on on A&M and where they were at and their and their point under someone, and obviously last year with with uh, Jimbo Fisher, where you could look back and go, oh. You know what? That moral victory that means the world because now they're going to set the world on fire. There, or they're going to they're going to do something unexpected this year. I don't know that we've ever seen that. Uh, you know, based off of a, a close game against Texas A and M, whether they were better than us or vice versa, whatever whatever the case may be. I don't I don't know what this does. It doesn't help either. That it seems like all the momentum. If you want to talk about the quote unquote moral victories, and I told you guys before we started recording where I stand on moral victories. I've just never been a believer in them. I think a loss is a loss is a loss at the end of the day. Um, but all the momentum you get, assuming you have this momentum at all, you know, a close game against A&M, is gone because you get this whole week off. And while that's a good thing, is you get an extra week of preparation, you get to lick your wounds, you get to get extra prepared for Kentucky, that game's on the road. You're not playing in front of Fayetteville or a Little Rock crowd. You're going to have to go on the road and, and play Kentucky, who is okay at home. They're uh, you know, you always got to spot a team at least, I don't know, four points for playing at home. So you're going to have, you're going to be up against that. And uh, I know we'll have that podcast a week from Thursday, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't know that this means anything at the end of the day. I know there's a lot of people out there that think this means they've turned the corner. I, I'm, I'm still in, you know, I'll believe it when I see it mode. Ooh, I know that was really negative, really negative. I'm sorry, but that's just where I'm at. Well, I don't say it's negative because I mean it's 
if, if you're a true Razorback fan, then you know it's going to take more than one game. Look what happened after the Colorado State game. Everybody was believing. They were jump around, jump around, club dub, and then here comes Charlie Bowden trying to kick that football again. You know, that's how I took that. So, you know, the good thing is they do have the week off, and this next game is a winnable game. I'm not saying they're going to turn the corner. I'm not saying they're just going to completely turn things around, but – Guys, Kentucky, you know, they only scored seven points on South Carolina, and that was in the fourth quarter. Very true. So it is a winnable game, and then they, you know, have Auburn, I believe, after that. So, I mean, they're going to have to really, you know, this is a proving time of, okay, we, we say we're going to stop the nonsense. We say we're going to turn the corner. Yeah, they had a, a, a close loss, and they did show progress. Let's see if they keep the progress going. Or did they put all their eggs in this one basket and they come up with a loss and they're just kind of deflated? So this is going to prove to the team where they're at mentally. Yeah, the bounce back, the bounce back is what this is all about. And and, and it is a good thing. I don't want to try and push a bye week as a bad, but, you know, you you feel like, okay, this team responded against Texas A&M. Really, they they hung in there all four quarters. And you can argue that that might have been – the best full game from start to finish that Arkansas played under Chad Morris. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's an argument you could make. I don't, maybe it's not, you know, I know last year against a and it was kind of the same scenario where you hung in there and everything. But um, for me, it's like whatever, like you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle and then, oh yeah, now you got a bye week. So all that momentum kind of just, dissipates a little bit but maybe they hang on to it it is a good it's a damn good thing to have a bye week especially when you're about to go on the road and play someone like you said peck uh it's completely i think they're beatable and, and i've said all preseason i've not bought into the kentucky hype there's you know they're trying to make stoops out to be i don't know maybe their version of, of houston nut what houston nut was to arkansas like he's going to turn around and be able to win you know a bunch of games and even though the sec east is pure garbage um <laughs> or at least yeah if you're two and three in the SEC east yeah that's the thing it, and kind of like stoops we're going to find out what kind of coach he is because i've always had that philosophy of you look at jimbo fisher what would he be if he didn't ever have Jameis winston look at kevin sumlin what would he be if he wouldn't have had johnny menzel would jimbo even got that 75 million guaranteed at texas a&m if it wasn't been for that one player who won him a national championship. Right. You know, and I know Johnny Manziel didn't win the national championship for Texas A&M, but Kevin Sumlin sure wouldn't have got a daggum, you know, the contract he got if it wasn't for him. So you take that star player away and look what happened. Look, like, of course, all these people that wants Bobby Petrino back. Look what happened to his team after Lamar Jackson left Louisville. I mean, so is it the coach or is it that player? You know, so this is going to be a big step up for Stoops as well. Yeah, I agree. Well, looking last time that Arkansas played A&M and they went on an off week, they played a one-point loss against Alabama. So Brett Bielema was able to kind of continue. I mean, at this point, Arkansas was 0-9 and they're 0-10 in the SEC uh, in the Brett Bielema tenure. And so Arkansas was still reeling. Does – Honestly, let's say Arkansas still searching for that first victory under Chad Morris in the SEC. Be honest with me, Tom, I'm gonna get you first. Mm. Does a close loss to AM just tell me? Be honest, 
does it amount to anything, or or does Arkansas just lay an egg in Kentucky? Well, I I don't know. I if I'm being completely honest, this just seems like exactly what happened last year. I, I feel like this Arkansas, the way they do things on offense, the way they do things on defense, it maybe it's just A&M's kryptonite. I don't know. Maybe it's their the style that Arkansas carries themselves on both sides of the ball. It just happens to match up really well with what A&M does. I, I have a hard time in buying into something that we saw happen. It's almost, I mean, it's it's the exact same thing. They played really well against A&M. They still went two and ten, and and yeah, okay, Brett Bielema. All right, there's one example. But of the other of the other years, when has it really meant anything to lose closely to A&M? It's not really culminated into anything. Um, and again, you have to remember those particular, you know, what was going on, those the, the circumstance of cer- circumstances at those at that time. And maybe yeah. Arkansas was favored to win some of those games, and they didn't, and they still went on and did whatever. But this year, I, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're, I will say this: Chad, or excuse me, Chavis was actually up in the box this 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 game. Now, if I remember right, last year he did this for the last four games. He went from the box down to the field. Was that right? Mm-hmm. And did it make much of a difference? I don't know. <laughs> It's it's bizarre to me that it it actually seemed like it worked in his favor against Texas A and M. Um, maybe that does something for this program. I, I don't know. Maybe it does something for the defense. Maybe he's able to see the whole field for what it was. I I will say I thought for the first time I don't know maybe ever under Chad Morris they controlled the line of scrimmage for the most of that game. Defense was. Yeah was constantly getting pressure on, on Mond. Mond was never really comfortable. I'm actually surprised he didn't turn the ball over more. You know, they were, I don't know, I forgot how many sacks. I think it was, I think it was three sacks, if I remember right. It was either three or four sacks on Mond. But they, regardless, they were able to get pressure pretty consistently on Mond. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe Chavis moving up to the box helps. And maybe this does mean they're taking the right step in the right direction now. It's it's just so easy right now to be cynical. It's it's real easy right now to be negative because we've been here before. We've seen this happen and I don't I don't know yeah. that anything changes. The difference though, you've got two quarterbacks that are that you feel a little bit more confident in compared to what they had a year ago and you've got some outstanding freshmen at the skill position at, at wide receiver. What about you, Pack? Do you think Arkansas does this close loss benefit them any? Do they go and and play Kentucky well? It, it benefits them to a point, but I mean, we got to look at, you know, look at last year what happened compared to this year. It's similar. I mean, you know, last year they were coming off of an embarrassing loss to North Texas. You know, then they played Auburn yeah. right into the Texas A&M game. So here we go again with this year. You know, you come off of an embarrassing loss to San Jose State, and you come into this game and. And you play well. I mean, it was a seven-point game last year, and, you know, it was a close game this year. So, yeah. it, it's what they got, you know. And so, it's – I can't sit here and say that, yes, this is definitely going to – because it's up to them, you know. I, I think all three of us are at the point to where you don't know what Arkansas team is going to show up on any given Saturday. So, yeah. it's going to take – it's going to take Arkansas proving to me that, okay, we're ready. Let's see what they do with the bye week. So I guess if you need an answer, I'll say no, because they were in the same position like this last last year. But I guess the one big difference is they do have Kentucky. As of last year, they went into Alabama and played Alabama. 
I mean, they managed 30 points against Alabama, but yeah. So I guess the opponent's different. So let's see if they know that motivation. They can see this as a winnable game. Maybe that will motivate them and uh, opposed to they come off a close loss to Texas A&M and they're like, dad gum it. Now we got to play Bama. So, I mean, that might, I mean, so, I mean, yes, I guess I changed my answer midway is saying, yeah, because the opponent's going to give them that motivation of it's going to be a winnable game opposed to you got to go play the number one team in the nation. Right. Well, guys, we're going to hit a break real quick and hear a word from the Yellow Jacket Drive-In. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Shittern, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Shittern, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. Welcome back to episode number 27 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, Ty Hudson, and Porter Hayes. Guys, we put a poll out there. I think it was by Ty after Saturday's lost A&M. Read that poll off to us, Ty, and tell us the options and what the fans voted. Right, so this was uh, after the A&M game, and um, we, we, we posted this. I think it was immediately following. I can't remember. But anyways, it says, play this hard the rest of the year. And the Razorback football program could absolutely sneak out an SEC win in 2019. Agree or disagree as it stands right Well, I mean, the poll's going to go on. I think I've got it set until uh, it says it says one day and one hour left. So you got 25 hours left. So by the time you listen, you, you hear this podcast, you'll have plenty of time to uh, uh, to go vote. But it's 87 percent agree, 13 percent disagree. What do you guys think? I, I guess with the uh, with, uh, Kentucky game, I mean, because here's the deal. Your SEC opponents, you got you got your SEC East opponents still lined up. So, you know, they do have a chance to, with this bye week, eke out a win. And then I don't even, like with Missouri, I don't even know if they for sure know if they're bowl eligible. I don't know. Has, has all the findings come out about that yet? If they're, yeah, they're completely bowl eligible. So the Wait, bowl, they are? bowl ineligible. Sorry. Okay. Ineligible. Oh. My bad. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. That Sorry, changes guys. the whole year. <laughs> yeah. So then again, I mean, it comes into exactly the like last year. If if that's going to be their bowl game, so um, in Missouri and is just kind of like Arkansas is one game they come out and just outshine, and then the next they get beat by Wyoming. So, but there's a chance. I mean, not not going to sit here and say the season's completely over but the the kentucky game seems favorable for me because of the bye week yeah well i will take it as arkansas does have a good chance to win an sec game and i'm going to stick to my prediction that arkansas is gonna they're gonna have to win three <laughs> now to get bowl eligibility but uh and, and win their western kentucky game but even even I predicted them to win at least two. Kentucky and Mississippi State are very winnable. Gosh, the second year under Jim Moorhead or Joe Moorhead, whatever his name is, down there at Mississippi State, it's not looking, it's not working out like uh, their fans wanted to. I don't know how bad they ended up losing by yesterday. Of course, I had to work, but 
they I think they were down like thirty something to six at one point in that game uh, to Auburn. They lost to them. Fifty six to twenty three was the final. Wow. Yeah, a lot of that. Auburn. A lot of those points. Yeah, a lot of those points were probably in chunk, uh, junk time too. You know, so. Yeah. So yeah, that that's where Mississippi State is right now. I, I think Arkansas. I mean, obviously they were they weren't at home. I think. I think they they played within themselves and within a system, whatever that means. I mean, we've heard that a lot. But Arkansas has the ability here to still beat a Mississippi State or or a uh, or not just Western Kentucky, but Kentucky. Sorry, but I mean, there's obviously there's a, obviously a chance that Arkansas can win, and I'm not going to say they absolutely will, but there is a chance. I <laughs> like I said. I said this on multiple live streams. Um, they have the talent to absolutely win an SEC game. Kentucky is your most likely of the games that are left because you've got Kentucky, Auburn, at Alabama, Mississippi State at home, then obviously Western Kentucky on October – or excuse me, November 9th, at LSU, then you you play Mizzou. I didn't know CBS picked that game up. But, yeah, you got, you got Arkansas-Mizzou – on CBS on the 29th, yeah. 1.30, I, I, my gut instinct says no because you've got to show me something. And I know the A&M game, for everyone who's on the positive side of this, and I don't want to call them people, I don't want to call people like that sunshine pumpers, but people on the more positive angle of this um, take away from that A&M game, from what I gather across social media, is that this is the corner that needed to be turned. For me, it was, no, the corner should have been a win. That's when you turn the corner because yeah. A&M's overrated. Uh, A&M's not as great as everyone thought they were, including myself. I really thought I really thought A&M was a legit top 20 program. They don't look like they have any business being ranked right now. Um, you're going to play Kentucky coming off a of bye week. Well, I mean – I can't remember the last time they won a game off a of bye week. I think it's been at least three years. I, I don't, I don't know. I just um, my gut says no. I think they end up going either two and ten or three and nine. I'm just not there. We've again, we've seen this against A&M last year, and then we saw how that unfolded. They do have better talent. Their roster from top to bottom is is you could probably argue it's the best it's been in a few years. So they have the talent to absolutely win an SEC game. I think it's the staff on the sidelines that I have a problem with. I, and because of that, because of how poorly they played against San Jose State, I guess just based on everything that we've seen so far this year, excluding the A&M game, it just seems like more of the same. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick with no. They, they probably don't. I think I actually voted no. Um, but that they, they have a, they should beat Western Kentucky, but I don't know. Like I, I don't know. Like, that's so sad that we're at that point where you don't even know if if you could defeat a non-power five <laughs> Western Kentucky football team. But here we are. Well, let's talk a little bit about what happened in the game. The things that that uh, that happened yesterday. I mean, whether it was call, I mean referees calls or. Or, uh, you know, just plays that happen throughout the game. That I mean, whether it was a missed field goal, if you, you wouldn't have had to go for the touchdown if you made a field goal, that first field goal. You know, what were some of the deciding factors that, that had Arkansas lose the game yesterday? Well, um, I forgot. 
I think Porter said he was able to listen to the game. I don't know how much he got to watch or how much you guys were able to actually sit and watch. But if you go back, um, there were some there were some turnarounds for the better. And again, it was line of scrimmage play was the best I've seen under Chad Morris. I mean, it just was. Starkle had time to throw the ball. Yeah, I think they gave up two sacks. Okay, it's Texas freaking A and M, who always has NFL talent on their front seven. Um, and they've right. been a pretty good defense. We've seen them slow down Auburn and slow down Clemson. Like they're they're a confident defense. So I thought with what I saw, I think that was the most dominant performance I've seen on the line of scrimmage that I that ever under under Chad Morris. I don't know if it's any one play that that changed everything. We could talk about the the last play of the game where you've got Hicks dropping back. I don't know why he dropped back like thirty yards to complete a a six yard throw to Cheyenne O'Grady, but. Um, I had a problem with that play call, and again, we discussed that before we were recording. But you know, you're going to throw that, you're going to throw the ball to the most obvious target on the field, and the guy that don't get me wrong, Cheyenne O'Grady had a great game, but he was in double coverage. A and M read that like an open book. Um, we could go back to that play. You can go back to the I don't know how many times Hicks's passes were deflected at the line of scrimmage. I think it was like four. Um, I, who knows what they gave up on those plays. You can go back to the missed opportunities, the, uh, the, the, the penalties on Burks, the wide receiver, the Arkansas wide receiver getting tackled by an A&M defensive back and no calls right directly in front of an official. Like how, how do you miss that call? We, we tweeted that on uh, Saturday afternoon. And that freaking tweet is at like 400 something tweets. It's gotta be like one of our biggest tweets ever. It's so funny how many people were like, yeah, um, WTH what the heck SEC officials what are you doing of course they don't have to they don't have to respond nobody has to come out and say well we we blew that call and they were holding calls and I'm not going to say they lost the game because of those those uh, missed calls but my god did they hurt um you know the the but overall I think again top to bottom this is the best we've seen them play you've got to take your hats off to them and and uh you could almost argue that was a standing ovation kind of a performance. I mean, I don't want to come off too negative, but that really was a hell of a performance. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I can lean on one particular play. I think it was just – I just think at the end of the day, A&M just was the better team with the better talent, and they found a way to win. Yeah. But I, I guess the biggest thing I can take away from it, and I don't know if really anybody's even talked about it yet, is, you know, Starkle goes out, Hicks comes in, and instead of, oh, God, here we go again, it's like they didn't miss a beat. It's like oh, he man. just kept them going. And for him to go through what he went through, you know, getting benched, and, and Starkle comes in, everybody's praising Starkle. He's the truth. Yeah, he had the five-pick game or whatever. But I'm talking about mentally inside the Hicks' head. He's like, man, you know, and, and even after all those interceptions, Morris didn't put him in. So for him to, you know – stand up and be a man and then go in and, and make the most out of him getting to be put back in the game. That, that says a lot to me about his character. And if his players see that, guess what? They're going to respond. Now we yeah. have two guys we know that can come in and maybe that's going to spark the offense when he comes in, but yeah. the defensive pressure, how much defensive pressure they were getting. Yeah. They over pursued some time and, and Mon being the dual threat that, I thought he'd lost a step. He really proved me wrong and was able to get out of those situations. But 
the pressure they were able to get on defense, if that's a non-mobile quarterback, they're getting more sacks, twice as many as what they did. And then, of course, like I said previously, with, with Hicks coming in the game and just commanding the team. So uh, major major props to, to Hicks for that. Mm-hmm. That was one of the better – that was one of the better backup quarterback performances that I've seen a Razorback quarterback have uh, probably since Tyler Wilson when he had to come in for for Ryan Mallett against Auburn. And, and, yeah, I mean, they basically virtually had almost the same pass completion percentage. Not the same amount of yards, but, but I mean, Ben Hicks showed a lot of heart out there, and the guy put it all out on the line. And he threw a, he threw a bunch of strikes. And if it wasn't for that ineligible receiver, gosh dog it, what for the ineligible receiver penalty violation? Goodness, that was a 50-yard play. Arkansas could have been – they were sitting pretty if they would have been able to convert that. Mm. Got Jacob a, singing. A and we, that. we got Jacob singing on this podcast, and we came so close to getting him to swear. So close. <laughs> we're going to get him one day. We're going to get we him. We are. I, I agree, so though. They had four sacks. Arkansas had four to, to A&M's two. I mean, that was um, – a difference maker. By the way, Cam Curl, 12 tackles. He led the game with the most tackles. Four of those were solo. I thought he had a pass breakup, but I guess he didn't. Yeah. Courtney. Did he not have an interception? No turnover, no takeaway from Cam this no. week. I know it's crazy. It's just uh doesn't seem right. <laughs> how about how about that Razorback defense? So another defensive touchdown. How about that? What is that? Three on the year? Three that's, defensive that's three on the year. That's yeah. crazy. I would never. I would have never thought that. That that's amazing. Yeah, they didn't have one uh, against against San Jose State. But man, you you love to have those. That's really will energize the really a eleven point swing there. And Arkansas almost went into halftime with a lead. Yeah. So I mean, Arkansas, man, they Texas Texas A M was about to blow the game open before that. Yeah, they were. You're right. Yeah, that was, even that though was Arkansas it. was moving the ball. I mean, that's the thing. Arkansas was moving the ball between the twenties, but once they get in the red zone, they were stalling. But well, man, a, same yeah. story, different week. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what exactly I was about to say because it was like you know when when the last game happened and they scored on that first drive, I was like crap. And then I'm listening to it on the radio and I'm listening to them move the ball. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we can win this game. So yeah, it was it was definitely a different vibe. Yeah, yeah. the uh, The most telling stat for me, first off, I, I can't remember the last time it had to be Hunter Henry. I can't remember the last time a tight end had eight catches for ninety one yards. I don't think Cheyenne did that once last year. Not eight catches, but the no. most telling stat for me was, and I know A and M's not the greatest rushing offense, but they rushed the ball thirty three times for eighty nine yards, an average of under three yards per carry, with only one rushing touchdown. That's pretty damn telling. Like, yes. I, again, A&M's not an elite rush attack offense, um, but they were talking a lot about Mon's ability to run the ball, and he did He did have an 18-yard run, but then they were talking a little bit about Spiller um, and some of these other guys that they have that can move the ball. And, they, and, look, they averaged as a team under three yards a carry. So hats off. To, yeah. I'm telling you, the line of scrimmage, that was the best performance I've seen from them so far. Yeah. And that that was really impressive. The Jamario Bell, he answered the bell. He he rang the bell this week. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. The guy he wanted it and and he got it. He he got what was his. He had two sacks on the day. 
and was constantly getting pressure. He was wanting it. And it reminded me a lot of uh, Trey Flowers when it was the week before the LSU victory where they ran across the field to get the boot. Since Mississippi State, they were the number one team in the country, and, and Trey Flowers single-handedly kept Arkansas in that football game. And Jamario Bell did kind of the same thing mm. yesterday. He they, had, uh, had the sacks at the right times and, and the right down and, and forced the punts and stuff and get got the ball back to – to their to this to his offense. So maybe yeah. maybe Jamario Bell. I kind of thought this about Gabe Richardson early on. Uh, although Gabe had five tackles and he also had a tackle for loss. So not a bad day. Jamario Bell, ESPN, I don't know if this is right because I thought Matiel Soli got his first sack. But they gave him credit for one tackle for loss. That's Soli. But Jamario Bell, again, this is from ESPN, two tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks. Yeah, that's a good game. McTelman Aguim had a sack. So uh, maybe Jamario Bell has that Armand Watts kind of senior season, you know, where and, he just kind of comes yeah. out of the woodwork. And Armand Watts didn't really get going until that Texas A&M game where uh, he was getting getting pressure at, at Mon last year. So that's a good sign. Maybe we can – and that that really with the upperclassmen, uh, guys like Bell, guys like McTelman Aguim, who had a pretty pretty good stop early in the game too – if those guys can get get it going with the young talent that's already there, this Arkansas front front line there, they they can maybe be disruptive going forward. Well, they not trying be. to be a homer. I'm not trying to be a homer. Right. I'm just trying to be realistic here. Arkansas, but they should be. There's yeah. so there's so much depth there, and there's there's upper class depth. You know, people keep talking about, well, this team's young, this team's young. Their front seven's got, I mean, they've got juniors and seniors that rotate on the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have a guy like Scooter Harris and, and Bumper Pool. And I think Monteric Brown, who's finally, he's finally turning the corner. He had a good game. And it, I think Arkansas missed him last week against San Jose State. He had a really, he had a really solid game. Yeah, McClellan actually, you know, and if you go back and watch that first half, the secondary, I'm sorry, they were absolutely atrocious. They were terrible. Yeah, they were, and they still weren't even that great in the second half. But uh, Mo Brown, I think he actually had a pass defended, and they don't have him credited on ESPN. But Jacquez McClellan responded in the second half. He had two pass breakups in the second half, and if you watch him, go back and watch him. Like I think he still gave up. You know, a couple of slant throws, you know, that resulted in first downs or whatever. But he he still had a bounce back. Yet again, he had two passes defended in the second half. You saw a response from the secondary, especially yeah. in the fourth quarter. The defense responded pretty okay in the in the second half, and that was it was good to see. Um, I just I want to see that more often. But it's not like they had a, a great game either. They did give up three passing touchdowns. Kellen Mond was twenty three of thirty five for two hundred fifty one yards, which isn't unbelievable, but. You know, they were still able to move the ball with a little bit too much ease um, throughout most right. of the game. Yeah. Now, hey, another guy that looks really good as a freshman is Colin Clay, the Oracle. I'm really – I'm thinking he might be a really good player going down the stretch of the season. He may not be right now, but he's a guy that – he looks like somebody that could be disruptive as well. So – uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do throughout the year, and it, whenever Soli can get that club off his hand and have an extra extra hand to to get guys down with, he's he's going to be something too. He's got that uh, he's got the Mega Man thing going on with that <laughs> with that club on his hand. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The guy, I mean, he got a sack. 
It looked to me yeah. like that was his sack. And, and again, ESPN is not giving him it's not, they're not giving him credit for it. But he has like he's been around the ball this year. I think Soli is gonna be him and Colin Clay both. The future is really bright at the defensive line spot or across the defensive line, all four areas. Yeah. 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 Uh let's see here. Real quick, another another thing that I wanna wanna say about this team is they never they haven't quit yet. Yeah, they lost back-to-back games again, uh, whether it was against San Jose State. But they never quit against San Jose State. They still played in and into the end, which you don't want to say that, just because it just doesn't feel right saying that they that they fought to the end against San Jose State. But they fought to the end. And Ben Hicks showing his heart. That 17-yard run, I was listening to it as I was on the way home from work, and that 17-yard run where he, where he broke a couple of tackles and, and scrambled to make it fourth and manageable. Gosh, that was the most exciting that that I had heard Chuck Barrett in a really long time on the radio. And I want to say, I will say this: I don't, I don't know if Ben Hicks listens, but he won me over as a guy that's gritty and and passionate and and, and has a love for the game as a competitor. He, he he did well. Yeah, you can't, I, you know, like we said on Twitter, can't go. Uh... I don't remember how we put it. I can't remember verbatim what we said, but can't be overlooked what he did, what Hicks did coming in like he did, throwing for 188 yards, touchdown. His quarterback rating wasn't through the roof, but but he came in and, and showed up, and, and uh, right. he responded really well. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to go to break. After the break, we have Rohan Gaines in, uh, in calling the line, the Yellow Jacket hotline. So so give that a listen. He's, he's gold. Uh and, and and listen, guys, there is some really good content coming forward. I talked about it earlier. It, it's premium content, something you'd want to pay for, but it's free. Uh, a story about the interception return by Jacob and by myself. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, Jake, man, you guys aren't going to want to miss this uh, next, uh, next interview. So stay tuned. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Robert Conyers now in his center for Ole Miss. Ingram, one of two to the left side. Now in motion, he's in the slot. Oh, they got him off and he's intercepted again. Picked off by Rohan Gaines. He's got a combo. Razorback fans, welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. This is Jacob Davis, your host on the line here on the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Hotline in Sheridan, Arkansas. We have Rohan Gaines. Yes, Mr. sir. How you doing, brother? I'm wonderful, man. How about you guys? 
Man, we're doing great. Peg, what about yourself, bud? Doing good, doing good. Uh, I, I had to be honest, had a little scare yesterday with the uh, Clemson and uh, North Carolina game. Uh, I thought yeah, I was going to have, was, have a little heart attack. So uh, yeah, that, was, that was definitely a tight one. We were all so, pulling. We were all pulling for North Carolina. I bet y'all were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, North, yeah. North Carolina has a little freshman quarterback. He's looking pretty good right now, too. So. Well, Matt so, Brown, you know, it, that shows what happens when you have a decent coach come in there and spark somebody, you know. Matt, oh, yeah. Matt Brown, he's not no spring chicken, you know. He knows how to get the most out of his players. Right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Rohan, what's been going on, man? What's What's been going on the last? I mean, uh, you know, once I once I left the L.A. Rams, I decided to come back home and become a coach. Uh, I just came back home last year. We actually won the state championship my first year back. Uh, so we were 5A state champions, uh, Coastal Corners. Um, it's just – it's been a process, you know, and, I, and every, everybody knows the type of love I have for the game. And so I had to find that, that middle ground after not playing anymore. So it was pretty cool, though. I love it. I really enjoy it. And uh, right now you guys are undefeated, right? Yeah, undefeated six and zero. We just had a big win over Chris Chris County last night. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a really good game, really tight game. Uh, defense really showed out. Offense made some key plays, so it was fun. Good, good. So uh, you're a Georgia boy, right? Yes, sir. So what was the appeal that the University of Arkansas had for you? You were a Bobby Petrino recruit. You were the, his last recruiting class. Yeah, yes, sir. I was. And man, it was. Go ahead. Go. You go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like, just the the vibe, like when the moment I stepped on campus, the moment I stepped in Fayetteville, it was nothing but love. And then they took us to the catfish hole. You know, the fans had our names on the signs, knew everything about us already. It was just a whole vibe. And then once I got around the majority of the team, it was. It was like I was already there. Like it right. Was a no bra- it was a no-brainer. I mean, it was like I was already there. They already took me in. You know, people like Jericho Nelson and Ray Dominguez was there. He's actually we were actually from the same city. So Ray Dominguez was there. Uh, Michael Shepard had already been there. So I already knew about Arkansas. I already heard about Arkansas and the great things that they brought to the table. So it, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah. And uh, what about the catfish hole there? What about their hush puppies? Was, was the hush puppies what really – Solidified your commitment to the Razorbacks. It was, it was, man. The Hush Puppies, they were, they were great. Um, and now I'm, I'm a real big chicken guy. I'm not really a fish guy, real big chicken guy. And they had some of the best, you know, chicken tenders that I've had in a long time. So uh, I was definitely sold on the food. Right. So uh, you had a lot of, a lot of up and down times, and then you, you transitioned from the Bobby Petrino era uh, in a couple of months, and you had John L. Smith. That 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 first season was really hard for you, right? But it was team because you were number eight in the country, and and losing to ULM, and then you had you had the a year under Belama. What was that transition like? Going from, uh, you, I don't know the defense under Paul Haynes to the defense under uh, Chris Ash. Then you tra- you, uh, you went to another defensive coordinator and Rob Smith. What was it really hard trying to? you know, switch defenses up and switching schemes so much throughout um, your career? It, it was it was tough. But um, what I what I began to realize, you know, the more I studied film and the more I really became a complete football player was 
that most of it is the same. You know, people call it different things. You know, people say different words, but most of it is the same. So what I started doing was putting things in categories. So it helped me, like, oh, he said this. This is just like this. Let me play it like that. So it, right. it, it, really, it really just helped me out through that whole transition and going from, you know, Coach Haynes, he's a super aggressive defensive coordinator. Uh, Coach Smith was super aggressive as well, but they had two different styles. Uh, because right. I know with Coach, with Coach Smith, I can roll over right now out of my bed this, to this day and play cover six, you know, because that's, that's what he believed in. That's what we did. You know, uh, Coach Haynes was more – he was a little more exotic than Coach Smith was, which was cool. But it, it each coach taught me something different that made me, by the time my senior year came, just a complete football player. Right. What about the – your your junior year, right? You were you were a junior in 2014. That that year, the defense is one of the best in the country. The the play that sticks in every fan's mind is your pick six. All right, right. Run us through your thoughts. As, as it was basically the same pattern. Bo Wallace threw another fade in the left corner of that end zone, and uh, you were the one that was lucky enough to have the opportunity to return the interception. Right. What was going was, through your mind there as was, that happened? It was crazy. It was crazy because we had just – Coach Jennings had just told me. We had just watched it on film like a couple nights before. That same route, we were in cover six, and he told me. He was like, Ro, he's going to throw it to you. Just sit there. Don't don't fall for it. Just sit there and throw it right to you. And sure enough, I, I saw the running back come on the wheel route. I saw the – I saw him cross, and I, I literally sat there. I didn't, I didn't move. <laughs> he threw it right to me, and as soon as, as soon as I caught it, the only thing I could think about, Coach Smith, sideline return. Hit the sideline. It's just parted like the Red Sea. You know, luckily I had a great group of guys in front of me: Trey Flowers, B. John Jackson, DJ Dean, Spate, Ella Turner. Just everybody, the whole, the whole defense. They really, they really looked out for me, and all I had to do was make one move. Right. And from a friend's perspective, I shared the story with you earlier. I'm sitting there in in uh in the lower bowl and I'm just getting back from the corn dog stand and all of a sudden I, as soon as you came back, there goes the pick six, the plays happened, I spit my corn dog out into somebody's head. <laughs> sure that uh sure it gave a fan a concussion during the game. But man, that I was I was screaming, hooping and hollering, nobody Everybody wanted to beat Ole Miss, but from the from the get go of that game, everybody. I, I remember looking at my father-in-law, and he said, "Let's beat them fifteen to nothing. Let's beat them fifteen to nothing." <laughs> and that's really, really what happened. And, and and you guys routed them really, really well. You know, you you went from going across the field to get the boot, and then the next week you go and you beat the number eight team in the country. And and Arkansas football at that point, everybody thought, man. That that whole season came to those two games. You, you right. lose the lose that one point game to Alabama, the the heartache against A and M, which Arkansas still, you know, we, we saw it yesterday. Uh, heartaches after heartache after heartache. But those that that heartache at the 2014 season and that time of uh, 2013, where it was just a, really a struggle to get an SEC victory. Although both of those uh, wins right there that year. It really made all the hard hard times worth it, right? Definitely, it made it made all the hard work, everything we sacrificed as athletes, as student athletes, um, just all the practice, the blood, the sweat, the tears. It 
it all felt like it paid off at that moment, you know, uh, or those two moments. Um, right. and, and, it, and it really, it really pushed us through, you know, it really gave us hope for, you know, for the future. Like we, we know how to win. We know that we can do it. We just got to do it. Like you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, the coaches like they, they get, they don't get enough credit sometimes, and sometimes they get too much credit. You know, when things are going bad, oh, that's the coaches. You know, that's a bad call. But at the end of the day, as players, we have to go out there and play. Right. You know, at, at the end of the day, we have to go out there and play. You have to have players that can go out there and play the game that you're calling. Um, and that's just what it came down to. And that that's what made us really good because we had a lot of players that bought in to whatever scheme it was. Obviously, we had a lot of D coordinators, a lot of position coaches, different coaches, all that. We all we just bought in to what we were given, and we knew if we bought in, we'd be really good because we had those type of players. Right. Yeah. So going on, and you're you're four years removed from being in Fayetteville, and you're seeing the same process go on right now. Yeah. What What would you tell Razorbacks fans uh, that are that are watching this this season and the last two seasons play out? What would you tell them? Uh, about you know staying staying the ship and 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 still supporting their team. What would you tell them? Yeah, just just stay with those guys because being a part of something like that. Because you know, like my redshirt freshman year, we we weren't that good. I think we won maybe three games. Uh, and the year after that, we won maybe four games. So just knowing that the fans were still behind us, it meant a lot. You know, it gave us more to play for. It gave us more motivation. So whether the fans know it or not, you know, we do see the tweets, we see the comments, we hear the, the chatter. Like, they, they hear it and they know it. You know, at the end of the day, they, they know what's going on right now. They see it, they watch the film, they're playing. They they know what's going on. But for the fans, we just, well, well they just want your support. As long as you support them, motivate them, give them something to play for, you know, come come out there every Saturday, you know, show us, still yell. Like we're undefeated, you know what I'm saying. So it, it, it's just one of those things where the more support they have in the trials, the better off it'll be in the long run. Right. And well, Rohan, Rohan, I think we're going to Hayes here. Uh, I got yeah. a question before we, we go. I, I, what I want kind of fans to understand is, you know, from a player's perspective, you know, I want them to kind of understand from your eyes just how hard it is for a coach to come in and turn around a program like Arkansas in the toughest division in all of college sports you know it's you know we live in the the society now where it's now 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 so just from your perspective of you know you played under many coaches at at Arkansas just how hard is it to play in the SEC West and how hard is it to stay competitive in the SEC the SEC West is by far the hardest conference in college football by far I mean, week in and week out, you basically have to fight for your life. No matter who you are, whether you're, you're Bama, whether you're Arkansas, you still you have to win, you have to fight. And there are, there are no easy wins in the SEC West. So uh, it, it's a, it takes a lot of patience, man. It, it takes a lot of a lot of want to, you know, going from coach to from one coach to another. It might not have the same style. You know, it might it might take a while. It, it might take two or three years to recruit the type of players that he want recruited or for even the players that are there to buy in, you know, because I know for me it was hard after that. 
like third DB coach. It was hard to trust. You know, the the, the trust the trust isn't there. Like, oh, he he just gonna leave too, just like the rest. That type deal. So it, it's just a lot of things that go into having new coaches, having a just a new scheme. It, it's a lot that goes into it, and, and sometimes you, you're not you're not it's not gonna happen the way that fans wanted to, as fast as fans wanted to. But I'm pretty sure those guys they're working their hardest. They're they're doing the the right things necessary to win. They just have to go out there and put it together. And they will because they do have they do have some really 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 nice athletes, man. Like that freshman, um, a couple of freshman receivers. Uh, I like the safety uh curl. Oh yeah, yeah. I I like him, man. He he's a he's a big time player. He he is he is a big time player. I definitely see him playing on Sundays. Yeah. Or do you have anything else for Mr. Gaines? No, that's it. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on with us, man. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and good luck to your team. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Hopefully we can get a couple of those guys to come down there and see what the halls are about. Hey, that would be awesome. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. I really do appreciate it. No, we appreciate you, Rohan. You have a good night, man. All right, man. You guys, too. Bye-bye. Jay's on the corner playing spades. I'm an ordinary person, but a paid white man. Fox dripping, wet and smoking, and we choking off a whole pound of purple. Famous like the Ninja Turtle. White man. Just left New York City, hooked up with Pete. Did it in the blow past 50, you gon' have white man. We the best, I'm a fool, I'm the Hemi man. Red light, green light, yellow light. Get it, Cause I'm on white man. 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 Cause I'm TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer, with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your lane cleared today, call them at 870-942-7288. That'll do it for episode number 26 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, letting you know to have a good day and woo pig. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.